Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Designs podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Jack Strausser. He's with Doc Solution, and um, we're going to talk about intellectual property and development, especially in this exploding world of devices and the Internet of Things, because designers and engineers have to think about their IP protection, right? Welcome to the show, Jack. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you here because it's an area we don't talk a lot about, but it's something that engineers and designers, by definition, have to think about is protecting their designs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, let's just jump into it. I'm a guy and I invent a motorized chair, mm-hmm. right? A lot of old people, diabetes, fat, you name it. I want a chair that massages, tests your glucose with lasers in your butt, whatever it takes. But the bottom line is, is that I've got this new design and I want to protect it. What do I, you know, this is a very complicated world now. Right. So the first thing I would do is um, I would take and make sure I research a design on the Internet and and even uh, you can hire people to research to make sure there's nothing else out there like your idea because you must have an original concept, idea, twist that is patentable. And the way you find that out is to make sure that nobody's got anything like it, you know, because the examiners at the patent office will definitely find it and reject your patent if there is anything like it. So if there is something, you want to have that prior art explained to the person and show how you're different than them. Otherwise, they'll be rejected right away. Then I would just do a line drawing of your product to get it all and do the specifications, write all about it and why why it's different and what's you know, what's unique about it and what market you're going after and all the fundamental things you would do in a business plan, basically. But you would have to be real detailed about every specific thing that is in your patent or that's in your product that somebody else doesn't have. You've got to be real specific. So uh, and once you, you do that, then, of course, you put it all together. I would get a professional to look at it to make sure it's... Um, uh, you know, um, examiner ready. And uh, once somebody else looks at it who has done a lot of patents, they give you the okay, maybe you got to do a little twist or a little, you know, little work on it. And then I would apply for the patent immediately as soon as you can. Uh, of course, you won't get the patent for at least two or three years. So you have some time frame that, you know, that is needed. But um, it's good if you start manufacturing your products right away and put patent pending on them, you know, because as soon as you file for a patent, anytime you start making products, you want to make sure you put patent pending on it because if it ever comes up in a lawsuit, you would want the, the first thing they're going to ask you is where on the product or where on the box or where does it say patent pending? that person could say, listen, I found this product. There was no patent on it. I thought I could use it or manufacture it because I didn't see the word patent pending on it, and therefore uh, they can get out of paying you any money, a royalty. Hmm. Well, you know, so Jack, there's, and that's, 
that's something, if I may interject, I apologize, but that does bring up the issue, and I don't, want to, I don't want to dwell on it long because we do want to talk to our engineering audience in more concrete terms, but there's an aspect of that patent troll that has to be addressed. Absolutely. The patent trolls um, are, the patent troll obviously is a, a person who collects patents, usually an attorney, and he buys, collects, makes, creates, a, a series of patents, and what they do is they have a whole team that goes out and tries to find people that are infringing. They actually never manufacture any products, and what they do is they sue you for a nominal fee, say fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars, somewhere to where it's not worth even consider taking it to court. It's cheaper to pay them than it is to dispute the patent that you have. So. Um, they'll sue you, and usually you'll end up paying a, a nominal fee just because they're patent trolls. They don't make anything. They just sue for for money, for profits. Now, Jack, I took a deliberate long pause there because I wanted to be able to inject a cut because I'm going to ask you something sensitive, and if you refuse to answer, I wanted to give you the option to just say no, and then I can just splice it out. Sure. What about a company like Ampex? Ampex was a originator of a lot of IP in tape recording technology, and the company is now, it's past its salad years, it's in its retirement, and it's trying to stay alive through suing the people who are doing the technology that they honestly developed, separate from someone buying or acquiring or making some shit up. How do you di differentiate between the companies that truly did provide IP to the core industry and trolls that are just coming in from the outside trying to scalp money? Well, I mean, I think there's quite a few uh, different categories that you have to place people in. If you're talking about um, a technology that uh, that they developed, they manufactured at one time, and now uh, they decide just to be a royalty-based type uh, company where they just want to collect royalties, then, uh, you know, it's really up to the judge. You know, if a judge, I think, thinks, you're a troll and you're just doing things wrong, you know, you know, trying to collect money on other people's ideas and stuff. I think that, that it's all considered in the courtroom. And that's an actually excellent point to bring up, Jack. But how do we educate the judiciary to make those kinds of, and sometimes it's a very nuanced thing between yeah. someone who actually... I mean, to be gross, it's a Tesla Edison kind of debate. Right. And the, how I would, ed I mean, how, how do you educate those? And, and, and I think that the people that are involved in the uh, legislation of this, of patent trolls and the rules, I think they're getting pretty well educated, and hopefully they're using different uh, a variety of of people and companies 
to ask questions and, and find out the different ways people are manipulating the system or using the system. And I, I really hope that's the case, Jack. Now, what is Doc's solution? Let's put a finer point on it. What's Doc's solution doing about it? Well, the only thing I'm doing about it is uh, I'm acting through. I'm manufacturing all my, most of my patents. I'm, I'm making them. I'm selling them. I'm marketing them. I'm marking them. Uh, I, 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 I do, I do the whole process. And for, for seven, eight years now, I haven't had any problems on the patents that I created seven, eight years ago. And I finally just got infringed by a very large company. And that company has enough money to go way beyond, you know, say for an example, their first, you know, their first year in sales, maybe they did $8 million. I don't know. But it was a large number. And they look at that and they say, well, gosh, if I did $8 million on one patent, how much more could I do if I made five or six different other products, right? And I'll make uh, I'll end up making five or six ten million dollars net profit because if I make six or seven products, I can I can generate maybe seventy thousand dollars. So they look at that and say, hey, let's we could spend a million dollars on trying to invalidate his patents. But and, the other side of that coin, Jack, if I may interject again, is what's the cost to just simply pay you a licensing fee? Well, that's the point. It cost them a million dollars to take a chance on on um, on invalidating the patents, or they can pay six, seven, eight percent royalty. Now, the royalties would end up being maybe seven, eight million. So, economically, the bigger companies usually choose to uh, um, invalidate your patents. Try to. And it's now, not now, a lot Jack, of money. I'm gonna, but I'm going to interject again, Jack, because it's such a sensitive topic. Let's say they came to you and said, hey, we'll give you $3 million to just shut up and walk away. In some cases, I would take that. Or in some cases, I would just say, hey, you know, we can do it on a sliding scale. The more you make, the more you sell, the, the better the price. I mean, there's many ways to skin a cat. And, 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 and I appreciate that, Jack. And actually, that's one of the reasons I'm really glad to have you on this show because we talk so much about design and innovation, but we talk so little about the engineers and the people who are out there in the system creating this IP and developing these infrastructures and how much they actually benefit from the literal societal infrastructures they create because yeah, sometimes you you can wire directly into the commerce stream and your app makes $2 million, but sometimes you have to do the infrastructure thing, which is behind the scenes, or you have to do something that is not directly apparent to the consumer, and you have the difficulty in validating that expenditure. There's no doubt that I would say most people that create patents do not receive any income on them. That's my guesstimation. Uh, you know, I create my own products because seriously, I'm the only one that can see them. 
I can envision things that nobody else can. And, and I envision them. Once they're made, I can actually help other people to see and understand what I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish. But it's a very difficult process. And it's very expensive. And it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of guts. Because, you know, one thing is, is to create a patent, and another thing is to create a product from that patent. And the third thing is to market it and be able to sell it. You know, you really have to have many different verses of knowledge. You know, a lot of people think their idea is the best thing in the world, and that's what's worth all the money. Well, in my circumstances, the ideas have always meant very little, because unless you can make it and get it to the forefront, Nobody really wants to pay you for that product. Well, to paraphrase a rapper, it won't make dollars if it doesn't make sense. But, Jack, I want to go back a little bit to something you said. And um, I, 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 I recognize where you're coming from, but let's not denigrate the efforts of engineers that are working for corporations like there are guys at Fairchild and Texas Instruments who are literally leading the industry and they're employees of that company so their ideas you know until they change IP law those ideas belong to that company absolutely and that company makes those products and they don't have the problems that I'm explaining because they're a large company I'm really talking no no no, I recognize that Jack I just wanted to make that and then definition because uh, yes you are inventor. if i may if I, I if i may i apologize for but i just wanted to recognize what you're doing you are a tinkerer you are what is fundamentally american about engineering but the fact is is that america is both thomas jefferson and thomas edison Absolutely. we've got both the guy in his backyard developing the next best thing and then we also Absolutely. have the industrialist developing the infrastructures because the best invention doesn't exist in a vacuum. There has to be the supporting infrastructures. There has to be the engineering. There has to be all of that to make that happen. And so Absolutely. ironically, Jack, I both recognize what you're saying, and I also have to nod in the direction of the establishment. Absolutely. The establishments are uh, – they rule. You know, I mean, uh, the, that, that's why Helier Packard and all those companies have so much. I mean, they're great companies, and they have great engineers. Uh, Honeywell, I mean, the people that uh, actually helped me with my patents are, are people that worked for very large companies before. And that's all I was trying to say, Jack, is I want our audience to resonate with your issue without the diversion of church and state dollars and cents and all of this other. The bottom sure. line is is that Absolutely. if you're a designer and you have an original idea, if it's yours, you get to keep it. If you're in a corporate structure, then that's a totally different issue. Right. But it's there. But I wanted to address, yeah, and that's all I wanted to address here, Jack, mm-hmm. is that you got an idea and you want to work with it, and I wanted to address what Doc is doing because – this is an issue that is very sensitive, and there may be people who listen to this podcast who may be turned off by it, but I think this is an important sure. thing to talk about. Absolutely. I mean, the most important thing is is that anyone who's doing patents should 
talked to many different companies, many different people, and 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 get a variety of ideas because you know I'm only looking at it from one standpoint. I only have my small company and my inventions that um, you know were created and made, and it's just a very unique uh, niche market. I'm I'm not the majority. I'm the minority in this in this industry. So I definitely suggest that people, you know, you know, get there's there's books on the subject and you know do a lot of research and and find out where they fit and what do they want to do with. My son's an engineer, you know, he just graduated college and and um, it's a, it's 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 tough out there. It's not easy, that's for sure. That's definitely for sure, Jack. But um, one thing we could t- the. I'm really enjoying this conversation, but unfortunately, this is a podcast, and and we're uh, on a time thing. But one thing I always do to my guests is I make them have the last word in my podcast because I talk a lot, and uh, this way, I guarantee that you that nothing's missed because you could bring up a point we didn't talk about or talk about something about your uh, solutions. Or just a tip for our audience, but the floor is yours. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the one thing I, I always suggest um, when a when an engineer or somebody, obviously they got to have a, a challenge or a problem to solve. And what I've done, when I create a product, say for an example, I wanted to sell a lot of DVDs. And uh, actually a manufacturer I worked with wanted to sell a lot of DVDs. And I said, well... The easiest way to sell the, these karaoke DVDs is to come up with the cheapest karaoke machine. And uh, I came up with a very simple concept that connects to a DVD player, and um, we sold millions of them, but we sold 10 million DVDs. So you always have to have uh, a concept, an objective to, to go for, and it's amazing. The same thing when, um, when iPod came out and all the MP3 players came out, I went to Apple and I tried to get a license. They, uh, they said it's a six-month wait. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I didn't have the time because I needed product that was out. So I created my own product that I patented that could fit all the MP3 players and all the iPods and any music player, and fits 95% of all the <clears throat> the music devices out there. Holds them up with a speaker. And I was able to patent it without having to pay royalty to all the different companies because I I had a, an original and created my own concept for it. But you know, I had an objective, and the objective was is, hey, I have to make something that'll fit universally most music players, and uh, it has to work without the um, the brand specific cable. You know, they use their own cables, how they, how it works. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that helps any of the viewers or not, but that's how I come up with the ideas. Well, you know, Jack, 
This is one of the most refreshing conversations I've had on this podcast in a long time, and I really appreciate you coming on. And I'm going to drag you back onto this show in the next few months because I just love you, and I just want to hear you talk about this shit because, oh, i got to edit that part out, but I'll bleep it out. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you for letting me sit by. Was no, very, actually, was my Jack, first interview that I got to listen to. Yeah, well, no, Thank actually, you Jack, let me, let, me, let me do it. Cause Thank you. I apologize. I, you got me excited, and so I'm going to do another close, okay? Three, All right. One. Thanks, Jack, and I really appreciate that insight. What's your website? My website is easy, E-A-S-Y, middle-D-O-K-S.com, easy-docs.com. And anybody who would like to partner with you, are they welcome? Absolutely, absolutely. We're always looking for, we're a small company, we're looking for partners, we're looking for uh, resellers, distributors, uh, investors, you name it, we're looking for them because we want to we wanna make a difference. Well, thank you, Jack, because I'm always trying to foment some development in this field, and companies like yours and people like you are why I do this thing. So I, you know, have a great time. Thank you for being on the show, and I just want to thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I thank you for your time. My pleasure. And I'd like to thank everybody else in the audience for being with us because we wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day.